Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Mariana Bravo and this is the Autosport Podcast. It's Friday 7th of May and the cars are back on track at a circuit they know incredibly well as Formula One returns to Barcelona. But this year it looks a little different with a redesigned and wider Turn 10. It's a track that Mercedes have an envious record at, having achieved pole position here every year since 2013, and a strong track for Lewis Hamilton who has five wins under his belt here. And today, Mercedes topped both practice sessions, Valtteri Bottas was quickest in FP1 with Max Verstappen second fastest, whilst Lewis Hamilton was the fastest of FP2 with over a tenth separating him from Bottas and Verstappen. In the second session of the day, both Mercedes cars showed their pace on the soft tyres, while things were looking a little untidy for Max Verstappen. Max aborted his qualifying simulation lap on the softs, following a messy lap which saw him going deep into turn 10. He ultimately finished the session 9th fastest over 6 tenths off of Hamilton with a time set on the medium tyres. In FP2, we saw a strong performance from Charles Leclerc and the Alpines with all three drivers within 3.5 tenths of Lewis Hamilton's fastest time. And we also saw those aggressive curbs playing their part in both sessions today with several cars picking up damage from running over them, with Carlos Sainz, Max Verstappen and Yuki Tsunoda a few of the victims. Joining me to discuss all of today's action is Motorsport.com's F1 editor, Jonathan Noble. John, how are you today? I'm all very good, thank you. Amazing to be back on the um, back on the F1 circus again, basically. So it's really weird <laughs> being back-to-back. So we had this long, long winter break and then it was in like an eternity between Bahrain and Imola, but now they're coming thick and fast. 
they are indeed it feels like it's been non-stop which is always good I, I quite like it I mean I know for people who are traveling it's exhausting but I'm glad that we don't have that long gap that we did have between the first couple of races let's discuss today's action let's get straight into it Mercedes were setting fastest times in both sessions now of course as I said this is a circuit that Mercedes have a really strong track record at but given just how tight things are with Red Bull, we were expecting this to be the track to show us the true pecking order and to see how they actually weigh up against one another. What did you make of how Mercedes looked today and their pace behind just the headline fastest of the session? Yeah, super strong. Toto Wolf said after the session that he thinks it was their best Friday of the season so far. So I think what today has confirmed is that the Mercedes has got rid of these early season balance problems. So all that kind of instability and lack of confidence the drivers had in the car in the Bahrain test and the Bahrain race weekend seems to have gone. They're kind of now extracting the, the performance out of the car and now pushing on. But I think I think also what it does show is that they're not streets ahead of the opposition. So they've now got a car that's well sorted, but they're not having the you know half a second plus advantage we've seen in the past. So they still need to work hard. Um, still a lot of way, long way to go this race weekend, but Merck... Looking pretty strong, I'd say. Yeah, it's clear that they really put their heads down after those first couple of races to work out where where their weaknesses were, and they're definitely addressing them now. But as we heard Lewis saying, even after he won um, last weekend, there's still lots of work to do, and it is still so tight, like you said. Now, looking at Red Bull, their, their closest competitors, in FP1, Max was second fastest. But looking at FP2, because obviously that's a bit more representative, Quite untidy for him today, wasn't it? It wasn't really a session that we were expecting or would expect from Max. He went wide at turn 10 when he was trying to do his quick lap. And then later in the session again, he found himself going off track at the exit of turn 8. What did you think of his performance in FP2? Just not quite pulling it together as we'd expect. Yeah, scrappy, scrappy day. Didn't look didn't look particularly strong. I mean, the lap time this morning was, was fine, but it didn't obviously nail that lap this afternoon. So their, their pace is a bit of a mystery because, I mean, Perez has had a bad day. Um, mm-hmm. Hasn't really been on the pace. I think the ball, not particularly happy with the balance. And obviously Max didn't show his, his true hand, but the comments from Max afterwards where he felt, you know, it was fine, nothing to worry about, no panic, still feels it's there. So um, I, think what, I think one thing we are going to kind of keep an eye, need to keep an eye out for tomorrow is that, a lot of this is going to be down to time management. So it doesn't particularly matter what your lap, ultimate lap time was today. Um, it's going to be keeping kind of the front and the rear tyre temperatures balanced for that qualifying lap on Saturday and then through the race on Sunday. So I think we could could well see some twists and turns. Um, and I think Max also knows how tight it is. So, you know, finding the limits and pushing over them as he did today is all about taking that fight to Mercedes. Uh, and I think he'll be, he'll be hoping that today's the day he makes his errors, not like on the, the Saturday and Sunday like he did last weekend. Now, with Sergio Perez, as you've just mentioned, things weren't exactly great for him today either. He was down in P9 for FP1 and P10 in FP2. He's said that his driving style just doesn't work with the Red Bull car. Is that what we are seeing at the moment? Are we still just seeing him adjusting to the new car and a car that is known to be built around Max's style more? Yeah, I think I think it's trying to understand the kind of the tricks and the kind of way you need to hustle these cars to to get the most out of them you're trying to do that and juggle the the intricacies of very very tricky Formula One tires you don't really have a consistent platform especially in Barcelona where you're battling to stop the rear tires from overheating 
uh, you're battling to look after the, the front left in particular because that really, really quick uh, turn three. So I think it's a weekend where the track temperatures fluctuate, the wind can pick up and die down. So it's the kind of the, the platform's moving. And so if you're someone like Sergio Perez, who's you know trying to get to grips with a car, constantly changing platform of tyres and wind and temperatures and sessions and high fuel and low fuel, I think it's very, very tricky at a time where there is virtually nothing deciding the, the times. I think it was one second between Lewis to, all the way down to Kimi Raikkonen. Yeah, 1.043. Kimi Raikkonen's 16th. So one second top 14 and 1.04 down to Kimi in 16th. So the margins are so small. It's not like eras we've had in the past where if you were three, four temps off your teammate and three temps off pole, you'd still end up fourth or fifth. You get really punished these days for being slightly off it. So I think it's just time. Same problem Daniel Ricciardo's had. Same problem Sebastian Vettel's had. Just lack of miles, lack of time in these cars. And I think the really short pre-season testing programme, one and a half days each, I think really, really hurt the hurt the new boys this year. Um, and I think they'll still be playing catch-up for a few more races because they'll get through this weekend. But then you've got Monaco, which is a, a unique weekend. Then we've got Turkey, which will be a strange kind of track surface. You've got Baku as well, which isn't normal. So I think it's going to take time, but they'll, they'll, they should get there. We see flashes of speed from Sergio. Uh, and I think it'll be very interesting tomorrow just to see if he can, you know, nail it in qualifying like he did in Imola. And Perez has had some good weekends here in the past. So hopefully the experience of the track will help him pull things together a little bit more, even though he's not feeling 100% comfortable with that car. We have definitely seen the new teammates struggling more this year to get to grips with things, as you've just said. And of course, the preseason testing wasn't here either, whereas usually it is typically held at this circuit. So they haven't even had the benefit of that. But as you've just said, it was incredibly close in FP2 today with less than a second covering the top 14. It makes things so much more exciting when things are this close. Charles Leclerc had a really good day today, didn't he? He was P5 in FP1, but more impressive, in FP2, he wound up third fastest, around a tenth and a half slower than Lewis Hamilton's best time. And he was putting in a really strong performance, particularly in Sector 3. Were you expecting to see that sort of pace from him today? We've seen Ferrari consistently at the the front end of that midfield Mm. pack. Um, It's normally McLaren have been up there and the battle appeared to be pretty exclusive between McLaren and Ferrari. It's how close they are to the front. Both Ferraris looked pretty quick in the end. Charles got the best lap, but 0.16 off off Lewis. I know it's only a practice session and, um, you know, the ability of teams to turn the engine modes up on in qualifying and... um, you know, unleash a bit more of the ultimate potential does happen because we get quite quite excited on Fridays how close it is. And then we do see these kind of, we see a step change on Saturday where the field spreads out a bit and then it becomes even bigger on Sunday, which is mm-hmm. quite interesting to be quite interested to dig into why we why we see this shift over the, the race weekend. But um, I think the Ferrari looks fine. I think they, they've still got a lot to learn with this car. They were yeah, you know, quick on the softs and the hards in um Portugal last weekend but the medium was a disaster so I don't think they don't think they have a don't think they have a true answer for that so if they've not cured this medium tire problem uh, it could prove to be a could prove to be a bit of a tricky issue this weekend because uh, I'm not sure how long the, the soft will last um, in the stint if the if the temperature picks up 
but maybe you'll need to if things are close you'll need to start on the softs anyway and to get through to Q2 so I think it'd be quite an interesting weekend for Ferrari just to understand where they are with this car and where the strengths and weaknesses are. Yeah, Charles Leclerc came out and said that they still don't quite understand those struggles that they had on the mediums. Um, so I'm sure they're going to be delving into that in detail this weekend because it was pretty painful uh, to witness last weekend of Carlos Sainz just falling down the pack there. In FP2, we also saw the Alpines again coming through with pretty strong performance and they were followed by the Alpha Tauri. So the mid-pack was sort of a bit shuffled around to what we've seen previously. Like you said, the McLarens were not really up there as we would have expected in the second session of today. But staying on the Alpines for a moment, they've clearly improved their performance and it looks like they're legitimate improvements. They've continued into this weekend. Another strong performance. Esteban Ocon finished fourth fastest and Fernando Alonso was fifth fastest in FP2. It's looking promising for them, isn't it? Yeah, it looks good. I mean, they had, a, they had a good weekend in Portugal last weekend, but I think they came out of the weekend not really understanding why they were so yeah. good because they'd had quite a torrid time um, the first two races. But I also think, you know, part of that was circumstance. You had Esteban was out of position in qualifying in Bahrain and then Fernando obviously had the um, grid penalty. Then in Imola, they had the, the kind of the on the wrong tyre in the race, so disappeared to the back of the field and... You know, they came through and finished in the points. Um, then last weekend was better. It appears the car's pretty good in slow speed stuff. Yeah. I think uh, I think I read they were quickest in sector three today, um, or you know, definitely up there in sector three, which is normally a, a good indicator of a car that's good in slow speed and traction. Um, it's normally a good indicator for Monaco, so it bodes well for the next race. Um, but yeah, I mean, the fact they were consistently up there. Um, Fernando seems much more comfortable with the car. Um, both seem comfortable. Long run pace looked all right. So um, it looks like they could be pretty strong. And I think they've definitely made a step. The struggles they had in Bahrain, where I think they, even they admitted they scared themselves, seem to have been shaken off. Uh, and we'll see if they, they can kind of keep this momentum up now for the rest of the weekend. Yeah, I think it scared us too. I remember our first um, recordings that weekend. We were like, what is happening to the Alpines? What is going on there? So definitely a bit of a relief to see them making improvements there. And I do hope that it continues because I I want it to be as close as possible. I mean, as we've said, the little errors and the little um, improvements that each team is making is really shaking up how the midfield lands. So I'm all for them continuing on this path and getting better and better each weekend. I wanted to quickly touch on FP1, though. We saw that Alonso actually did the opposite program to usual. He started on the softs and then switched to the hards whilst everyone else was doing the opposite. Um, was there any particular reason for that from what you've seen? I would suspect purely because I think Fernando felt, felt in qualifying last weekend he hadn't extracted the most from himself uh, and the car. And I think we're, we're seeing it a lot with drivers. We saw it with Sergio, especially in Imola, mm-hmm. where it was just that consistency of the soft tyre. So I think that, you know, trying to catch up and understand, you're trying to catch up and understand the car and then understand how these, the 2021 tyres are interacting with the car. And if you're moving around between softs and mediums and jumping around and track conditions are changing, I think it, it kind of can upset the momentum. So I think Fernando, you know, probably just get get a benchmark in with the team, understand where things are at um, in different track conditions. Um I think it's just part of the this learning exercise. They need to try and do as much as they can, you know, every different type of scenario, just to understand and extract a little bit more from the car. Because when, when you're getting down to the final 
one tenth or two tenth. It's you know tiny, tiny, tiny little marginal gains everywhere is where you find improvements. There's no magic bullet. You suddenly find one tenth. It's culmination of lots of tiny little things. Every single little data set that Fernando can tick off, understand, and the team can tick off and understand with that car, it all helps and all gets mixed this pot, uh, which hopefully then makes a difference in qualifying. Now, the Alpines were followed by the Alpha Tauris in P6 and P7. What did you make of their performance today? Of course, their positions are helped by the fact that the Red Bulls were lower down than we would typically see, but they were putting in decent times in FP2 and they have sort of fallen off of our radar a little bit in some of the races we've had so far because their performance has been up and down. But what did you think today of what you saw? Yeah, the team's had a bit of a kind of up and down season. On the upside, the cars seemed quick, especially in medium to high speed stuff. So it was quick in Bahrain in overall turns that we didn't see in the race. Obviously, Yuki had the bad qualifying and then Pierre lost his wing on the back of Daniel Ricciardo's car. So that race was a write-off. Uh, then in Imola, um, obviously Pierre picked the wrong tyres and dropped down the field, so we didn't really see. And Yuki had the kind of weekend to forget after binning it in qualifying. Then Portimao was a bit of a disaster because the Alfatori doesn't seem particularly good in very low grip and in slow speed corners. So it was a bit, bit of a write-off last weekend in terms of pushing towards the front of that midfield pack. Although the final sector is low speed and won't particularly suit the Alfatori. The first two thirds of the track is high speed and quick, so it appears to suit the car. Um, I think Yuki's learned a lot from you know, the mm-hmm. progress from that Imola weekend, where I think he just got too excited. He admitted himself he was too excited, but too much pressure on himself, got too carried away, so he's pulled himself back a yeah. back a little bit. Um, so I think solid solid progress, but we've seen this from AlphaTauri before because you know it doesn't matter if you're quick in practice and quick in qualifying just you need to deliver on Sunday still one of the midfield teams that we are seeing do exceptionally well and delivering on the Sunday well at least for one of their drivers is Lando Norris who has been putting in such impressive performances but today they weren't as prominent in FP2 as we might expect Lando finished P12 and Ricardo P5 we know that Ricardo still isn't quite there with the car as we've said some of the teammates who have recently switched teams are struggling a bit more and Lando did run wide several times on his low fuel run which might explain his slower pace do you think they'll be stronger when it comes to qualifying tomorrow was today just a a bit of a bad day a bit messy or is this signs of maybe their car not looking as strong at this circuit no I think it was just a messy day Um, they've Mm -hmm. tried some new updates here this weekend looks like they've gone for this um, z-shaped floor um, design that most I think seven seven out of ten so far have run it so McLaren will obviously look at the data today and decide tonight if it, they stick with it or um, it comes off for this weekend. But So a few little updates. Um, I think both Lando and Daniel just said that just the balance wasn't particularly there this weekend. It was shifting around a lot. Um, didn't really find a good base with the car, but it was, it's this, been the same story um, we had last weekend. And I think even Imola wasn't particularly strong on one of the days. Um, so the team's has this habit maybe of not extracting everything from the car on the Friday, goes away, works on overnight and comes back fighting strong on Saturday. So, um, you know, Lando, yeah, Lando had a very tricky day in Portugal. I remember last weekend, it was quite downbeat about even getting through to Q3 and then it turned into such a good weekend. So I think it's a car that seems to come get better once they f- hook up the sweet spot. I think the pace is there and Lando's doing such a sensational job this year. So I would be, I'd be very surprised if, well, it may not necessarily 
be up there and qualifying at the front of the midfield pack. But I'd be very surprised if he's not in that kind of mix and region uh, and he's, you know, battling there in Q3 tomorrow. Yeah, he's going from strength to strength so far this year and just looking so comfortable with that car. As we said, Ricardo's still got more more to learn and more to adjust with, but Lando is, yeah, he's on fire. You mentioned the updates that they've brought. So quite a few teams have brought updates this weekend. We're on round four now and they're starting to trial out a few new bits. Are there any things that you've seen that have particularly stood out to you or anything that you think is particularly interesting from the upgrades that have been that have been tried out today so far? Um, well, we've obviously got the McLaren upgrades. I've not seen much elsewhere. It's normally tweaks and... Um tweaks to break ducks and there's all these kind of secret mm-hmm. hidden areas that teams are now focusing on to to shift things around um i think it'd be interesting to see if mercedes again this weekend split strategies on wings between their drivers because what they did last weekend um lewis and valtteri running different types of wings different downforce levels um just kind of trying to balance the needs for qualifying and the race um I mean, Valtteri suggests they wouldn't do it here this weekend. So much more on top of the car and feel much more confident on it. Um, and we'll see. Um, we'll see if the McLaren sticks with this Z-shaped floor because it obviously seems to be the, the the buzz direction to go with this weekend, uh, this year. Since the majority of teams are shifting down that direction, and we'll see if the, the stragglers follow suit soon. Now, the other things I wanted to mention were the curbs, first of all. As I said, we saw a number of cars running wide and being punished by those curbs and getting damage. And also track limits. We have to talk about track limits because they've been an issue so far in the season and they are being enforced again this weekend. We've seen Red Bull be quite vocal about the fact that they're not happy with how inconsistent they are applied across the track. There is a meeting this weekend, I believe, between the F1 team bosses to discuss the issue. So first of all, I mean, do you think anything's going to come from that meeting? And also, how much of an issue do we think that track limits will pose this weekend? Is it a circuit where, from what you've seen today, we're going to have lots of problems arising? Or do you think that actually things might not be as problematic as we've seen? I think it may not be as big as it Mm -hmm. was recently but then we thought you know Portugal didn't seem to be such a problem in the race until it became the massive talking point on the final lap on a corner that hadn't really featured at all all weekend but I think what you've got this year is the fact it's so close the fact that one tenth of a second is deciding if you win or not if you're on pole or not if you're in Q3 or not so drivers are having to find every single last millimetre of track to find this Speed. I mean, we saw if you watched some of the onboards today on the the entry to the chicane section, the right hander where they come down the hill, drivers are going much further out um, to the left there uh, than we've seen in the past. Um, I think that was the problem in Portugal that turn fourteen last year, drivers in the last year's cars weren't especially using it very much. Um, but probably this year, as the downforce has come off, um, the, the cars aren't aren't going through there as easily enough. So they were running a bit wide and that's why it became a bit of an issue. So I think while it's not such an, there's not an obvious trouble spot here as we've had in the past, I think it will become a problem everywhere um, just because drivers are having to push so hard. Um, and the meeting, so every Saturday at Grand Prix, Stefano Domenicali, the F1 CEO, meets with the team principals just to kind of stay to the nation, catch up, chat basically and, you know, updating them on what F1's been doing and speaking to them about any of the latest issues. So I think that 
Christian Horner in particular will bring up the track limits issue. And I think what Christian's asking for is kind of consistency in application that makes it easy for fans to understand what are track limits or not. So in football, you know, you have a you have a white line that decides mm-hmm. if you're it's a goal or not a goal in tennis. You have a line that decides if the ball's in or the ball's out. But in Formula One, you have, a, you know, a turn nine, for example, where a driver can run out on the curb and that's all right. Or a turn 14 where a driver goes across the white line, but still on the curb and that's, that isn't allowed. So it's moving around and all that. So if you've got three corners, you can run the curbs on and one that you can't or vice versa. It gets very confusing for teams and for fans. So I think what he's after is a definitive answer. Uh, mm-hmm. And I kind of concur on that. I think I think you sh- should just go back to the um, standard rule that if it's all four wheels outside the white line of the, the mark, the edge of the racetrack, then you should have that lap time deleted. I don't see, um, I don't see why that can become such a major issue. And sure, if there are curbs that make it difficult for drivers to judge all this or something, then you know, tracks will have to evolve over time to compensate with that. But just make it simple. Make it simple for the drivers, simple for the teams, simple for the fans, and simple for everyone to understand. Here's a white line. Go over it. You lose your qualifying time. I agree because it's coming up so often now. I think that fans are going to get pretty fed up with it when it keeps coming to a stage where you're thinking you're seeing a really great overtake, a really great move or a really great lap time. And then it's like, oh, no, wait, that that track limit that's deleted, people will start to get quite frustrated by it. Um, and like you said, it's the changing nature of it, the fact that it's only applied to some of the corners and not all of them, that the confusion comes in. So I am interested to see what comes out of that meeting, if anything at all. Um, and hopefully we don't have too many track limit issues as the weekend unfolds. But worth mentioning before we sign off, a few other things that happened in the practice sessions today. In FP1, we saw Robert Kubica stepping in for Kimi Raikkonen, but unfortunately his session ended prematurely after he beached his Alfa Romeo, bringing out a red flag. Meanwhile, over at Williams, Roy Nassani was out on track in place of George Russell and finished up 17th fastest ahead of his teammate Nicholas Latifi, who was in 16th. And Nikita Mazepin's day did not start well, with him spinning within a few minutes of the FP1 session beginning, and Charles Leclerc commenting that he will never change. And we will leave that there without commenting any further on the spins. And that's it. But John, before we sign off, what is your prediction for pole tomorrow? Mercedes <laughs> looks strong. And I think the car characteristic of just being able to... Uh, being not so aggressive on its tyres may actually help here because I think we've, we've seen in the past that um, if you can if you switch tyres on too quickly here by the time you get to the final sector they're overheating and past their best and can drop away so I just, just think while the Red Bull may well be a quicker car over a single lap in theory I think the nature of the tyres here and that challenge of keeping the front and rear axles balanced and not overstressing them will just shift it towards Lewis and we will see whether your prediction is right tomorrow. Or completely wrong. Or completely <laughs> wrong. <laughs> but that is all from us. We will be back tomorrow after qualifying to discuss how the day unfolds. But on Autosport Plus right now, I have just chatted with John Noble and you can read his article on why McLaren it doesn't doubt Ricardo can escape his dark place. Marcus Simmons writes on how a returning champion is feeling at home again in BTCC. 
and Megan White discusses how two F3 stars face new challenges from very different perspectives. New subscribers who sign up today can use the promo code PODCAST during checkout to save 50% off their first payment. Go to autosport.com forward slash plus and click sign in at the top of the page and then use promo code PODCAST for that 50% discount. And we'll be back tomorrow after qualifying. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Some folks don't stop till they find the truth. June's Journey is a roaring 20s murder mystery hidden object game. Find your first clue by downloading June's Journey today. Available on Android or iOS devices and on PC through Facebook games. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.